What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, rave line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Can, can I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. I can't believe it. Let's open up that rave Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USD has hired Lincoln Riley. Oh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Rain of Troy Radio, episode 514. Coming to you on Monday, October 23rd. We're going to look back at USC's loss to Utah. Open up the mailbag, listen to the rant line, take your calls, your emails, and so much more. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Rain of Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Rain of Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, uh, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you can find a pod. We are there. Uh, not Stitcher anymore. That one's dead. But one day I'll forget about it. Um, wherever you can find it. Uh, Spotify. There you go. Spotify's <laughs> one. Uh, as Swap always, uh, our email address is randomtroyatfans.com and our phone number 818-643-7227. I'm your host, Mario Castillo, joined along with my co-host here in the Rainer Troy studio in Los Angeles, Elisa Dertola. Hello, everybody. Hello. Uh, we are back, and the car cast was lively, I think. Um, one of the most active in terms of the, the chat was going off. We got a billion comments. People not happy. There's, you know, uh, Bill Plasky is writing about the the early failures of the Lincoln Riley era. There's feels like there's just, you know, general unrest in uh, in in the Trojan family and in yeah, and the in the USC sphere. And in this episode, I fully intend to be the voice of reason who talks no. some people off the ledge because I. I'm not saying it's good right now. I am not enjoying watching USC football. Like, I'm in my feelings every weekend, too. Like, I'm not saying I'm immune to that. But there are levels, and I think people have gone off the deep end with this. I, I actually think this is a case of optimistic, Alicia. I, I don't know. I guess, I, I guess it's optimism if you can sit back and recognize that, like, just because things don't go your way doesn't mean the world is ending. It, I, I don't know. I'm, fr I'm frustrated. Um, I'm frustrated 
about a lot of things, but I, I'm really frustrated about the reaction of this fan base um, to some missteps that are being just that are just there's a lot of nonsense being being spoken there's just a lot of nonsense being spoken well, uh, and and like people in the chat are bringing up the nonsense which is so okay fine we'll talk about the lincoln riley record i had a, a tweet thread about this um bill plashke in all his in his infinite wisdom um wrote an article uh, wrote a, a column this week uh who uh, saying that Lincoln Riley has, you know, failed in his in his second season at USC, um, and and basically using Clay Helton's record as a head coach to bludgeon Lincoln Riley with. Um, the thing that's going around right now is that Lincoln Riley has the same record after two seasons, after twenty two games, as Clay Helton did at USC, seventeen and five. Um, okay. Sure, that's true. If you want to cherry pick and manipulate things, that I mean, by all means, go ahead and say that. I have I have two different rebuttals for both sides of this. My first rebuttal is Clay Helton coached nine, ten games before the 2016 season, friends. He had been the head coach at USC for nine, quote unquote, ten because of the 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 Vegas Bowl. Nine games in 2015, he coached the team. So his first 22 games as USC's head coach in that tenure was actually 15 and seven and actually did disqualify him from, should have disqualified him from being considered for USC's head coach because he had not been a good offensive coordinator. He had not been a good off, good head coach and he still got the job anyways. So the criticisms of his first two seasons were all based on the knowledge of 2015 and what he had been as a as a as a coordinator and and who like whether or not he he was warranted of being USC's head coach and getting to work out the kinks and all of that. So in reality it's 15 and 7 first and foremost, but also if we're going to sort of put that all to the side, using Clay Helton's record in 2016 and 2017 when Clay Helton won a Rose Bowl and a Pac-12 title as an argument against Lincoln Riley is the most asinine thing I have ever heard. And it's, it, it's, it's just plainly obvious. And it only exists there to push your buttons. You, USC fan, you, I'm talking to you, the one who is scarred by the Clay Helton era. That line that's going out there is designed to push your button because it's supposed to be like, oh, it's just like, Link, just like Clay Helton. Clay Helton's record in his first two seasons was objectively great. It was better than most head coaches in the country ever achieve in any of their pieces of their tenure. 17 and 5 in 2016 and 2017 for Clay Helton got him a long-term extension. It kept him in the job after 2018 when he, he did enough to get fired. It kept him in the job in 2019 when he get, did enough to get fired because those first two years were so good in terms of record. So don't turn around and tell me, oh no, Lincoln Riley is 17 and five in his first 22 games. The sky is falling. How can this be happening? Oh my gosh, USC's in such a terrible state. The team is so bad. It's all going wrong, guys. Everything is terrible and never it's never gonna be before. well again. 
17 and five. That's your, uh, oh, we're, USC is, is, is awful and no good and nothing ever is going to happen again. The 17 and five is end of the world. Look at what Texas went through in there for, in it with any of their coaching staffs in recent memory and tell me they wouldn't have taken 17 and five after two seasons. Look at what uh, Nebraska has gone through. Look at what Wisconsin. Okay, fine. USC didn't hire Lincoln Riley. You wanted them to hire Luke Fickle. What is Luke Fickle doing at Wisconsin right now? Question. Wanted USC to hire Matt Rule. What is Matt Rule doing at Nebraska right now? There are teams around the country who don't even get close to 17-5 and in their first two seasons. And you want to use this as the example of how terrible it is at USC? No, I, I accept the, the expectations at USC are higher than most other places. This is what comes with the territory. But the expectations are also the most eye-rolly, annoying things in the world. Because you don't get to the point where you can start winning national titles and actually doing good things unless you, ex- you express a certain amount of patience and understand that it takes time to build a thing and that it takes time to put your stamp on a thing and that things don't come quickly or easily for anybody in the country. I mean, Eric Tang in the chat brings up Jim Harbaugh is looking for a job. You know what Jim Harbaugh was doing in 2020? Five years into his tenure at Michigan, a great hire for Michigan. Coming out of the NFL, a head coach that that Michigan thought was going to bring them back to glory. Five years, five seasons at Michigan, and Jim Harbaugh was looking for a job. Jim Harbaugh was taking a pay cut in order to convince Michigan to keep him around to then turn around and have the success that he's had recently. Like, I don't know what you... I don't... I just, I, I think people are being insane. I think people are, I'm not saying Lincoln Riley's doing a good job this year. I think Lincoln Riley has misstepped in, in many different areas. His decision to keep Alex Grinch, his decision to bring Alex Grinch to USC and then keep him after that first season will go down as one of his biggest blunders, one of the biggest blunders in, in, in USC assistant coaching uh, because if he had made a change at defensive coordinator, we're probably not having the ten- same tenor of conversation that we're having right now. But he made that choice, and he has to live with it, and that's on him. And the way he's managing the offense right now hasn't been good enough. The 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 things that, as we've talked about in the past, the things that they did on the offensive line, a few things went wrong there. Uh, there's there's things that need fixing in this program. I'm not saying it's a good season. But come on, guys. Take a chill pill. Take a deep breath. I need to take a freaking chill pill and a deep breath, too. But <sighs> All right. What a start to the episode. Uh, welcome. Uh, the, what, one of the things, too, about the... I, I think it's unfair to use the middle of a season for Helton, but it's also not necessarily fair either to use the 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 first full seat like you can't really compare an interim head coach to uh to Lincoln Riley especially when Clay Hilton didn't make changes he kept so many of the same staff he kept all like, the players and everything so mm-hmm. much of it was a continuity thing he kept T Martin like he he kept so many guys 
uh, that it wasn't necessarily a giant change in regime, right? Like that was sort of the whole point. Um, the big change was him on, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, and SC did get better under, under Clay Hilton and defense in 2016, uh, but then regressed. But um, yeah, let's get to the rant line. Uh, you guys had plenty of thoughts after USC's uh, loss to Utah, the fourth straight loss to the Utes uh, at the Coliseum. Um, here's what you guys had to say. Ray Detroit Radio, what's up? This is Dave from Orange County. This is Michael in the 563. This is Tony from Denor, PA. Hey, Rain of Troy, it's Dan from Valley Village again. Johnny from Grand Terrace, reporting live from the Coliseum. Dan from Chicago. Johnny from Tennessee. This is Jim in Tennessee. Philip from Texas. This is Greg from D.C. This is me, Tom, calling from Kansas City. This is Judy from South Bend. I'm not even sure why I called, because I have no words for this. I have no words. I don't even know what I'm watching here. Gosh, that first quarter looked so good and so promising. Now here we are, and it almost feels like season's in its death spiral. What is happening? Uh, it's beyond me. I don't know what to say. It hurts more listening to Utah than to Notre Dame. Love this team, but they make me so angry. There's no reason that we should have lost this game. Man, if we would have just kicked the extra points, we'd be playing the overtime. It's like, you know, something we've seen too often from USC. Really depressing, though, because we can't stop anybody. I think we're better than this, but for some reason, we're not. The way that we find ways to lose is incredible. Why did Lincoln decide to stop running the ball when they were having success in the first half? What happened? You have Caleb Williams, Zachariah Branch, and Marshawn Lloyd. And somehow we're only able to get a field goal. Unbelievable. Outplayed, outcoached, outclassed. Here, Alex Grinch. Why don't you hate the youth as much as I do? Two of the last three games, SC has faced a backup quarterback, and today they faced a backup backup. And it was like we were in the fight of our freaking life. I don't know if Lincoln is heading to the NFL, but he needs to get his shit together. Sorry for saying shit. Uh, Lincoln Riley, not really sure what you can do other than you know, throw 30 screen passes a game. But you darn well need to start making some better decisions and replacing some people that need to be replaced. And you got to do something. Please, something has to change out this offseason. Some major changes need to come ASAP. For what? This is a Clay Helton offense and a Clay Helton defense. I no longer have to stress about why aren't we playing up to our potential because this is what our potential is. We are this team. This team is soft. And when we go to the Big Ten, we're going to get out physical. We're going to get destroyed. I mean, can we can we at least hire Belichick to pay this Utah coach? I'm not one of those people that want to give it to Lincoln Riley. I'm not an idiot. Three years ago, I told my boy something who's an Ohio State fan, and he said, you're not even relevant. So Lincoln Riley has done that. We are relevant. But we are on our way to being irrelevant unless we can fix the problem. This Utah team is better coached. They show that routinely. USC fans have to give Utah respect. I hate to see it, but we have to freaking do it. Hey, guys, this is uh, Jeff in Copenhagen. Um, heard that bus that uh, hit us last week? Well, it just backed up and smacked us in the butt. Uh, well, maybe ran over us. Uh, and I'm going to add on and say that I think we should be prepared for lots of buses hitting us between now and uh, the end of this football season. Over the last few weeks, I've just come to the realization that this team just isn't good enough. They play hard, but they just aren't good enough to get it done. 
I'd like to thank the USC Trojans and the youths today for finally getting me to that place that I needed to get to. That place where I have no expectations going forward. Also, I thought of a positive out of all this. Look at all the rest of the horses getting. That's it. Fight on. Fight on, as always. At least it's better than the Dodgers. Fight on. Hey, fight on. Later. Thanks for everybody calling into the uh, Redditory Rant line. Of course, you can call in uh, at any time. 818-643-7227 is the phone number. Uh, yeah, lots of uh, lots of fiery reactions to SC's heartbreaking loss to the Utes. Yeah, and and well warranted that that loss kicked me in the stomach. Like it was, uh, I was talking to you about it. It's like, why do why do these teams all just do these teaser rallies and just try to crush us even even more? Like, yeah, it's the hope and belief that kills you. USC was down two touchdowns in this game and they fought back and they took a lead with a minute and 46 seconds to go. And they got a third and nine stop, uh, on defense. And then, and then bear Alexander followed through and got ejected. Uh, only one of which was like a necessary thing, but, um, and then 20, whatever yards to Bryson Barnes. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it, it just, it's frustrating as all hell. I, I 100% get it. I'm on board. I was very frustrated watching that game. Um, what it comes down to to me, though, is USC's defense screwed the pooch. USC had a Again, lead yeah. with one one minute and 46 seconds to go. USC had a lead. Uh, Lincoln Riley's decision to go for two points, I, I ranted about it on the car cast, absolutely a huge mistake. But when it comes down to it, USC was ahead with one minute and 46 seconds to go facing a quarterback that they should not have allowed to drive down the field and get into field goal range. And um, maybe that's why I'm in a little bit of a different position than some of the people in our chat and some of the, the USC fans out there because to me, all like it all still rides on, on the defense. And yeah, I want more from USC's offense. I want Caleb Williams to elevate them and to be elite. And I want them to to go out there and, and barnstorm a good defense. But but also, USC's offense was playing a very, very good defense. And I agree with everyone. Like, don't disrespect Kyle Whittingham. Kyle Whittingham and that Utah program has been built over and over and over, has proven over and over and over throughout the years that they are not to be taken lightly and that they are not a joke and that they will go out there and make your life very difficult. Mm-hmm. And I can accept that defensively. I can accept that for the for USC's offense facing that defense and 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 not being at their full throttle best. I want to see them at their full throttle best. I think they there are areas where they can be better to be at their full full throttle best. But when it comes down to it, USC got a lead with a minute and forty six seconds, six seconds to go, and again, it's USC's defense not being able to go out there and and get a stop and the more i like the more i look at it the more i think USC's defense just needs to go out there and get the damn stop if you want to win these games well we, uh, now Notre Dame's it's a completely different loss the, i'm not i will not blame the defense for that one but like on this day a better defensive coordinator wins the game for USC that's where i feel well, when the when the team is constructed in a way, uh, where the team we've talked about this 
till the count com- comes home, right? Like, this is a, a team that needs to win despite their defense. When the defense lets you down and you don't win the game, I, it shouldn't be a shocking, you know, revelation, right? Like, yeah, was it was SC outcoached? Yeah, I, Kyle Whittingham is an elite coach. He's going to outcoach a lot of people. Uh, and Riley thoroughly got outcoached in this game because he didn't have an answer to those things. Alex Grinch got outcoached and in Alex Grinch got outcoached. Yeah, a thousand percent. Yes. And so, yeah, I, I think that the offensive struggles, I think SC should have been able to find a way to subvert those. Can I put I, a, well, well, hold on. I, okay, I, I think that the, the fourth quarter, um, you know, SC play, the, the the tough part is SC's best quarter of the game was obviously the first quarter where they scored the two touchdowns, but the second best quarter is the is the fourth quarter, right? Like it's the fourth quarter where they're able to put together um the 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 two long drives that end up in field goals. You needed to get more of those. The one in the mistime uh fumble was an absolute killer. Uh, they're able to get the spark from from Zachariah Branch. They're able to get the pick six. Like things are finally starting to come for SC in that fourth quarter, and then they just can't finish it off, which I think is the the biggest frustrating part. But it shouldn't have taken that long for that fourth quarter to come, right? And that's because of the missteps on on defense. That's not being ready for a solution to stop Sione uh, Vaki. It's not being able to stop Bryson Barnes, a guy who hasn't done that to anybody, right? Like mm-hmm. it literally made him look like it, like it was like it's cam rising. Right. And so it's, it's a very difficult situation because on one hand, I think that in the grand scheme of things, losing to Utah, um, it is not this big shameful thing in the sense that Utah is, a two-time defending Pac-12 champ. They've gone to the Pac-12 championship game four four times in a row uh, in a full regular season. Uh, we know that Kyle Whittingham is an incredible coach. You shouldn't be shocked that they go out and they beat people. But this is a Utah team that SC was favored to beat. This is a Utah team that had all the injuries. This is a Utah team that didn't have Cam Rising at quarterback. This is a Utah team that came in with an offense that was brutal uh this is a utah team that had a ton of injuries a ton of they were without their their two best tight ends uh they were without multiple running backs uh they were down a man at wide receiver they were down one of their best defensive ends like all these things and yes losing to to a team that is well coached uh is going to happen every now and then but it but when you have the game in your hands and when you're not able to beat a third string quarterback and it's, you know, twice in three games that a backup quarterback has sort of gotten the best of you. But that's, that's, the, it's a problem. And it's a, why, and, and you can't, this is, this is why you don't bring Grinch back after last season, right? Like, because in this situation, you've got to be able to overcome it. And SC wasn't able to overcome it on offense. Yes. They just yes, they they weren't, but that's why I keep that's why I keep turning my focus back to the defense because I get that people are frustrated with the offense. I understand that. 
But USC's offense but also signed up for that. Yes, you and Lincoln Riley signed up for this. He accepted that his offense was going to have to be all world against every single opponent because he was going to allow the other, uh, the opposing offense look better than they are in every single game by keeping Alex Grinch. That is the 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 devil's deal that he signed up for, and USC is losing games because the offense isn't all world against every single opponent. But I would like to also remind to put into perspective put into perspective here. USC had 6.91 uh, yards per play. That is a full yard, almost a full yard per play, per play better than anyone has done against this, this Utah offense, against this Utah defense. The best mark of the season was uh, Baylor, 5.95 yards per play. Uh, USC put up 401 total yards against this Utah defense. That is better than any team has done against this Utah defense. Uh, USC's 20, even if you take out the pick six, the 25 points that USC scored on offense were better than anyone else has, has done against this Utah, Utah, this Utah defense this year. Why did Oregon state beat Utah this year? Why did Oregon state beat Utah while only scoring 21 points? Because they held a Utah offense that should not have that should not be allowed to score to seven points. Uh, Why did UCLA have a chance against this Utah team while only scoring seven points themselves? Because they only allowed this Utah defense, this Utah offense, fourteen points. Like when it comes down to it, Utah's offense was not very was was not very good, and USC made them look as good as they have looked all season. And every statistical measure and every eyeball measure, everything like that, that is the difference in this game. In an ideal world, I want vast improvement from USC's offense. I want Lincoln Riley to recognize that Utah, that subbing on offense and allowing Utah to, to drain 20 seconds off of the play clock on every single play and slowing down the pace of the game is ultimately not helping your team because your offensive linemen are standing there in 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 in, uh, in their stances for 25 seconds while nothing is happening, and then you're scrambling to get the, the playoff because you're not the ref isn't releasing the ball to you until eight seconds left on the play clock. That shotgun released a, put out a, a a video of of this exact thing happening. But Utah was gaming the system that the NCAA needs to fix. By the way, um, of the the the. Um, but there, anyone rules, can do that. You need to have an answer for Right. Her. Well, that's my point. Utah was gaming the system. But if they're going to be gaming the system, you need to have a response to it. And what is your response to it? You could have just started going up tempo. You didn't you don't need to sub out your packages every time. Just go up tempo. Put the opposing defense on their heels. Yeah. USC didn't do that until the end of the game, and lo and behold, that's when they scored the points. Um, you need to make that adjustment quicker. Marshawn Lloyd, you cannot fumble that football. I'm sorry. You cannot fumble that football. Caleb Williams, you cannot have the ball fly out of your hand on third and six in, in a critical point of the game. Just can't happen. Like, those are things that can't happen offensively. Those are areas where USC is shooting themselves in the foot offensively. And still, the offense did to a Utah to a really good Utah defense what no one else this season has done to a Utah defense. The difference in the game is the fact that Utah's Offense was made to look better than they have looked against anybody all season by a landslide. Yeah. So to me, it really just comes down to 
Fix your damn defense. Hire a new defensive coordinator. Get that hire right. And all of a sudden, all this smoke, all this chatter, all this, oh, blah, 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 it's not well coached, no, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, you know, the sky's falling. Like, all of that settles and goes away. Because when you're playing an elite defensive team that doesn't have a good opposing offense, your defense can make sure that the offense that's in front of them, which is mediocre at best, puts up sort of mediocre point totals and you win the game and everyone is talking about how USC, you know, got a win over a a tough ranked opponent and you move on to the next week. Yeah. um, Paul in the chat says that uh, the way Riley lost the Notre Dame game was shockingly embarrassing. uh, And then flat against Utah is simply unacceptable. I I don't think SC was flat against Utah. Uh, they they came out in the first quarter and they scored more points against Utah in the first quarter than Utah has allowed on average all season. Uh, Utah was came in the game allowing 12 points a game. SC scored 14 points in the first quarter. They had their two best drives, very first two drives of the game. They ran for 100 yards, 44 more than Utah's average in the first quarter. The yeah. problem wasn't that they came out flat. The problem was the, that they didn't make the adjustments to the adjustments that they didn't make any adjustments throughout the game that would get that would make improvements especially on offense to get through those those little grindy periods that mm-hmm. where they ended up stalling for you know five drives in the middle of the game those that was the problem i don't think that's flat i think sc came out flat against arizona they did not come out flat against utah um the other issue and you know we're going to talk about this more because uh, I know you want to go over some Jeff Schwartz tweets, and maybe I'll save that for for then. But like the 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 style of game plan on offense was drastically different than the style of game plan on defense, and I don't understand it. Which we'll 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 save that when we get to the Jeff Schwartz stuff. But yeah, uh, let's get well, to the, let's get to Paul, the Paul, Paul to respond. Paul in the chat again said flat meaning Utah's roster is decimated. We had no business losing. Utah's offense is decimated. Utah's offense is bad. Utah's offense was vulnerable. Utah's defense is and has been extremely good all season. Like straight up all season, consistently. The thing that's kept them alive, the thing that's that's kept them in games, the thing that's kept them unscathed except for once through the first seven games of the season. Like US, Utah's defense is not flat. Utah's defense is very good. And they have been very good year in and year out. And... Uh, that's what happens when you have a good defense. Yeah, uh, you you got to be able to combat a uh, a good defense for sure. And one of those ways that you can do that is by risking it for the biscuit, like joining DraftKings, because uh, they are running a new promotion uh, to help support the podcast. You won't want to miss this one. New users can place a five dollar bet to instantly claim two hundred bucks in bonus bets. You'll also be rewarded with a separate no sweat single game parlay. Every single day when you opt in, all you have to do is use our code Reign of Troy when you sign up. Using that code not only helps support the podcast, but gives you great bonuses. Uh, if you consider signing up for DraftKings, make sure you, you use that code Reign of Troy. Of course, the offer is only available to new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in legal gambling states. Uh, please remember to always gamble responsibly and check the episode description the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Uh, Alicia, we got a bunch of news to get to, so uh, let's get to that. 
Alicia, you know the only good thing about football season being over? There's literally nothing good about the football season being over. It's just an endless wait until the fall. See, that's where you're wrong. It's tournament season. The best way to take your mind off the endless wait. That is true. I may not want to watch the men play, but the USC women are pretty awesome. Exactly, but it's not just SC. There's high-stake basketball moments all over the country. But you know what? They get even better with prize picks. So you're saying the only thing better than watching Juju Watkins is taking the more on Juju Watkins. Bingo. You can now turn your hoops knowledge and love of Juju Watkins into serious cash. Because you can now win up to 100 times your money on prize picks with as little as four correct picks. Turn 10 bucks into a thousand bucks with college basketball, NBA, and NHL entries. Best of all, Price Picks lets you get on the action on more than 30 states across the country, including Texas, Georgia, and California. That sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, download the app today and use the code Rain of Troy for a first deposit match up to $100. That's the Price Picks app with the code Rain of Troy for the first deposit match of up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. All right, let's start with game time. We've got a game time for the big one, USC and Washington. Coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, Is it the same big one as before? Probably not, but USC and Washington. Uh, Next Saturday, not this upcoming Saturday, but next Saturday, set for 4.30 p.m. Pacific on ABC. Uh, Presumably, that means Fowler and Herb Street, right? I hope so. You would imagine um, that that's generally the the crew that does the the primetime ABC broadcast. So that's exciting. I like a I like a four thirty ABC broadcast. Always feels good. Yeah, it's the. I, I, I doubt I, no no complaints, right? Everyone four everyone, and five o'clock are the ones that people everyone, complain about this the is, least. This yeah. is the sweet spot, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, other news to get to uh, is the polls. Uh, the Trojans are down to twenty fourth. Uh, in the AP poll. Uh, now behind UCLA, who's at 23, behind Tulane, who's at 22. Um, Washington sitting at five. They didn't fall after their near slip-up against ASU at home. Uh, Oregon staying there at eight. They moved up one spot. Uh, Oregon State at 11. Notre Dame up a spot to 14, uh, but it's UCLA and uh, Oregon and Washington that are still on the schedule that are ranked above the Trojans. Cal this week, uh, not ranked. Not ranked and no votes. Uh, also, Arizona, still no votes. The, and the, pe- the people don't know. The, the people. UNLV's got a vote, though. But, they do. But, but not Arizona. Wisconsin has a vote. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, yeah, I, I think that USC at 24 is completely reasonable. Um, six and two is is not a great record, but when your two losses are to uh, ranked teams in top 15, uh, you're going to get some, some leeway there. Uh, but USC has to win this week to stay in the rankings to create a ranked matchup against Washington. And, uh, and again, when it comes to the rankings, uh, all that matters is that you win. This is the you you sent a, a, me a Kirk Herbstreet tweet where he was sort of telling off some Ohio State people who were pissed off at his uh, at his rankings because he has Ohio State fourth behind Florida State, mm-hmm. and uh, Kirk Herbstreet's <laughs> response was just just win out 
and it's all and, it, and it's fine like yeah that's basically how it works when it comes to the rankings yeah a- absolutely uh the pretty much everyone from what utah on up top 13 is winning you're in mm-hmm. winning you're in that's that's all you gotta do sc no longer winning they're in so um, long as you're not two losses SC is win and hope you have the tiebreaker that gets you into the Pac-12 championship game, which, A, who would bet on that now? Nobody. Uh, B, I have to imagine that if SC did win out, they would. Be in, or, be in top what? Be in, would be in the Pac-12 championship game. Beating, well, beating Oregon and Washington would probably do it, but again... Yes, because Oregon already has a Pac-12 loss. USC would have a tiebreaker over Washington. It would matter what it happened would matter to Utah. What happened to Utah Washington game. Yeah, yeah Utah yeah. would have to lose to one of Oregon or Washington, or you could end up in the three-way or a random tie or, loss what, to ASU. What are we talking Arizona about? and Colorado. What? What? Are we, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm not interested in necessarily having this conversation, but it is a good reminder too that like. You're not out until you're out, and USC is not out, so whatever. We'll see. But they're out. There's a lot of naysaying. There's a lot of doomsdaying. I get it. I'm not predicting USC to beat Washington or Oregon, but but also let's have the let's have real quick because I we have oh, a lot God. of get, we have a lot to get. Let's have the Caleb Williams discussion. There was a tweet that was sent out uh, this week and some chatter on on online about uh, should Caleb Williams sit out the rest of the season? Um, I think it was Emmanuel Acho who said it. I don't want to get. Which one of them? Uh, uh, it's wrong. Emmanuel Acho. He's the the hot take artist. Yeah. So he said that Caleb should sit because uh, should sit out the rest of the season, uh, make a business decision because the playoff is gone and the Heisman's gone and all this kind of stuff. And that is the antithesis of sporting to me, and also rather insulting to a player like Caleb Williams, who very clearly has a strong competitive spirit and wants to win every game he plays and wants to win every play he plays like USC is not out of the Pac-12 title race Caleb Williams can still go out there with his teammates and win every game like Caleb Williams should not be looking at the rest of the schedule and thinking I'm definitely going to uh I'm definitely going to lose to Washington and Oregon so why should I even play that's not that's not what Caleb Williams is thinking that is not what's in his mind and I, it's it's ridiculous to even suggest that that would be that, that that's the the way to go for him. I I think the Caleb Williams, uh, but like the um, the talk about Caleb Williams, so much of it is so weird to me. Uh, the idea that like every single story that comes out about him uh, is something from the the GQ article that was in like August like vaguely vaguely tying back to an to something that his dad said that is some general vague quote that just is sounds like agent posturing uh and everything comes back oh, oh wow he's think he's thinking of uh he wants ownership uh, the arrogance of this guy like yeah it i it's it, part of the territory is you know when when you when you win a Heisman and he didn't, he absolutely did not do himself any favors with the, with the fingernails last year, with the, with the message on the fingernails. Right. But like, I think so much of the angst against Caleb Williams is, and all the talk is just not there for me. Whatever. Yep. 
Uh, all right. Uh, we got over under. We got a lot of over under stuff to get to, and a lot of emails. So we're just we're gonna plow ahead because we talked more about the game over at the beginning than we thought we were going to. Uh, so let's get to over under. You've got mail. Wrong button. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I go under. I gotta take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm gonna do an under here. All right. Let's start. Uh, by looking at our records going into it, uh, I was 23 and 19. Uh, you were 22 and 20. Sorry, 20 and 22 coming in. Uh, not great. I have a little bit of a lead there, uh, but these things can turn in a hurry. Uh, let's look at your first over-under. Was Utah Sacks, you said over-under, four and a half Utah Sacks. Uh, I went over on that. I was bullish on the Utes uh, defensive line. You took the under because you get locked in there. Uh, it was three. It was only three. Uh, SC did a very good job of not making sure the offensive line was in many positions to give up a sack with a lot of screens, a lot of quick passes. And and even when they did go longer, I thought the offensive line held up very well against the four-man front. Um, they had a little bit more trouble with blitzing, but all offensive lines have issue, have bigger issues with, blitzings, with blitzing yeah. um, because it's imbalanced. So... Yeah, I, I don't think the offensive line was the problem in this game. Well, we talked about it before. This was the game plan. The game plan for Utah is the one that they should have had for Notre Dame. Yes. And I think things would have been different. Uh, would they have been better? I don't know, but it would have at least been different. Uh, let's go to your next one, uh, uh, or my next first one, is over under 33.4% third down conversion rate for the Trojans. Utah was the number one team in third down defense, holding teams to just 23.1%. You took the under on that. Locks me into the over. It was over. SC was 4 of 11, 36.4%, the most Utah has allowed all season. Yeah, which, you know, sucks sucks for me in this game, but is another representation of how... Again, I know the offense was frustrating, but the offense still did, relative to the opposing defense, were doing better than most teams have done against this Utah defense. So you you have to put the performance in perspective. That's not to say that the performance was great. I, I'm certainly not saying the performance was great, but I do not think it was as bad as it's being made out to be relative to the difficulty of the defense in front of them. Because we've seen what a bad USC offensive performance looks like against a good defense, and well, that was Notre it Dame. It wasn't Notre Dame. Yeah. It certainly, certainly was not Notre Dame. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it could have been surely worse. Uh, let's go to your next over under, which is over under twelve and a half plays of ten plus yards for Utah. Uh, I took the under stupidly. Uh, you got locked into the over. It was way over. Uh, it was 16. 16. Uh, Utah only averaged 10.2, 10 plus yard gains coming into the game. And they had 16, six total by uh, Sione Vaki. Four of them were Bryson Barnes rushes. Rushes. Uh, yeah. This Including two on the last drive. This isn't surprising. Um, I, I think that the surprising thing here is that you took the under. I... It's always over. Utah's I, I wrote in our notes. Offense looks so abysmal coming into this. I wrote in our notes. Both of these teams suck at explosiveness, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, 
When it comes down to it, USC's defense just sucks harder. Uh, let's get to the next one. I said over under 4.495 USC's sack adjusted yards per carry. Uh, Utah only trailed James Madison in rush defense coming into the game, allowing only 66.8 yards per game. But a lot of that was because of their sacks. Uh, that's how college stats work. Uh, SC needed to get over 4.495 to qualify for this over-under. You took the under on that. Uh, I'll get locked in the over. It wasn't just over. It was almost double. USC averaged 8.0 yards per carry when you parse out the sacks. And even with the sacks, USC averaged 6.3. Yes, uh, but... I choose not to run. Yes. 12 total carries for USC's running backs. Um, big, 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 big mistake. And and only a couple after the first quarter, which is... It's like USC has decided that they're going to play the, uh, they play the like ball control game only by their pre-snap uh, strategy instead of just, you know, just, you know, run the ball and elongate a drive that way. Uh, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I don't understand. Um, you need to run the ball more. You need to run the ball more. When you're having success, you're having success against the best running rush defense team, I can understand playing against Utah and at some point needing to abandon the run. Oh, at 28-14. But they, didn't get to, they never got to the point to abandon the run. Yeah. At 28-14, I understand if you if you were like, okay, we're, we're, we're in catch-up mode. But, like, that wasn't till later. Yeah. USC had opportunities to prevent it being 28-14. Yeah. There, there was no need to abandon the run yeah. uh, the way that SC did. Uh, let's go to uh, your last over-under, which is over-under two and a half USC passing touchdowns. Uh, Utah had not given up more than two TDs since Caleb threw three in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, he had thrown five at Rice-Eccles last year. Uh, I took the under, not feeling too confident that there were going to be a lot of touchdowns in this game. You took the over uh, because you get locked in there, and it was under. It was zero. Uh, Caleb Williams had a zero touchdown performance through the air. Uh, yeah. Um, hmm. Not good. Not good at all. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to time of possession for the last one. I said over under 26 minutes, 59 seconds, 59 and a half seconds. Basically over under 27 minutes for USC's time of possession. Utah was one of the the FBS leaders, fourth in the country, time of possession coming in. Uh, You took the over. Uh, I took the under, respectively, and uh, it was under. It was way under. 25.18. This is is where I'm mad at pre-show Alicia because pre-show Alicia has to go in and make her picks by moving the little faces over to the thing in our little, in our graphics thing. And pre-show Alicia was being real dumb and in show Alicia recognized it immediately, but it was too late to change. So that was <laughs> stupid. My bad. Welp, 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 welp. Uh, all right. For the week, I went four and two. You went two and four. Uh, my lead grows. I'm now at 27 and 21 on the season. You're at 22 and 26. But how did the Rotbots do? Who went six and oh? 
Nobody. Man, the robots are having a rough time. <laughs> I think it's three straight weeks. No one's gone six and out. Weeks. Uh, the season leaders, the race is starting to get good, but there is a little bit of separation now. G Pat uh, firmly in first place at 33 and 15. Vince in San Diego right behind him at 32 and 16. Uh, and then tied in th- tied for third, three games off the lead uh, is Jay Vandy and Stephen Chad at 30 and 18. So it's getting good. It mm-hmm. absolutely is getting good there. Uh, all right. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff to get to in the mailbag. Uh, so let's get to that stuff. You've got mail. All right. Let's start with uh, let's start with emails. You want you want to take the first couple of emails? Yeah, we got an email from Tony, uh, Michael, and Alicia. This is Tony from Denora, PA. We made several good plays on both sides of the ball, but overall we were outplayed and outcoached. So many mistakes on the field, coaching calls. Tell me why Shelby is in coverage on a running back and it happened twice in the game? How do you give up a 26-yard QB scramble in a crucial time of the game? He did that throughout the whole game. Yep. How do you give up 500 yards of offense to a team that hasn't done anything close to that all season? I've come to the conclusion that this team just isn't good enough. I'll be pulling for them for the rest of the season because they're my team, but it doesn't look good. Fight on. Um, Yeah, I all very valid. uh, valid. (laughs) We will be asking why Braylon Shelby was in coverage twice. Twice. To get burned in this game. Uh, Many, 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 many times. Not once, but 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 twice. Uh, But but twice. Uh, As for Bryson Barnes scrambling, I, I have to admit too, like, why are we surprised about that one at I, this point? We, I I just we, we shouldn't be. It right? just it just happens every week, guys. Like I don't know what else to say. It, so I I'm of, I'm of two minds on it slightly. One of them is okay. So the game plan should have been make Bryson Barnes beat you, and if he does, well then, geez, I guess tip your cap. But that wasn't the way it should have been. Like. It should have been make Bryson Barnes beat you with his arm. And if he throws for 400 yards, then geez, touche. That wasn't the situation, right? Like uh, they gave up the runs on, on third downs and, and you know, there were some QB powers that they gave up to that. Like those are not the type of things that you shouldn't have been prepared for. Like those are the things you should have been prepared for. Uh, so, At the so same the, time. The, the wheel route to Vaki on the first drive. Oh, okay. But it like, if your game plan is to make him throw the ball, but then you need to have a reaction to it the next time you see that matchup. And they didn't, which is a gigantic red flag. At the same time, like I don't necessarily want to be naive. Um, at this point, if USC had done a defense that was designed to let Bryson, to, to, to force Bryson Barnes to beat them with, his arm like given the track record of the defense i'm not sure that that's a winning strategy either because the defense is just not um but again this is why when you have a defense that you know that we sit here and talk every week it's the 28 point defense and we sat here last week and said well against utah it's probably 21 because utah's not that great but that's like a 28 point defense would have won the game but i see you know 
Uh, all right. Uh, email from John in Oakland. Hi, Alicia and Michael. Wow, this team is a complete mess and transfer portal disaster. Turns out Lincoln Riley is a horrible head coach and a terrible judge of both assistant coaching and player talent. Clearly, it's time for the new AD to make a costly change and look for a better option. Time to delete all of my USC football social accounts, and I'm done with this waste of a team. USC football is regressed once again into being a national joke of a college football team. No way it's worth watching this USC team under Lincoln Riley lose to Oregon, Washington, and UCLA in the weeks ahead. More honor and just forfeiting now and continuing to be laughed at, at on national TV. Maybe see you in three to four years with the new USC head coach, John in Oakland. I, we've been getting emails in, from John in Oakland for like seven or eight years. I've never seen John like this. John in Oakland. I really hope this is all sarcasm, to be honest. If it's not, I need to talk you off the ledge here. Um, deep breaths, everyone. Just deep deep breaths. If, if Lincoln Riley was a horrible head coach and a terrible judge of assistant coaching and player talent across the board, we all agree he's a terrible judge of his defensive coordinator. 100%. Yeah. Like, I don't think right. that's even in question anymore. That's fine. But if, if those were the case, then he could not have won... 11 games last season with a transfer portal roster and all of like, I, I I don't know. I, I, I just, it's sad to see this kind of email. I want to believe that it's sarcasm. I I think there's a million reasons to be critical of Lincoln Riley. And there's a, absolutely. We need to talk about how much of a disaster it was to, to bring, if you're going to bring Grinch back after the, the cotton bowl, you got to get that right, right? Like there's got, it's got to pay off for you because if it doesn't, that is just, it's brutal and it's, and it's a torpedo, right? And he didn't get it right. And that's a major, it's a major mistake from him. And it's, it's a terrible decision and all those things, right? Yeah. Uh, And we've talked about how uh, the transfer portal stuff hasn't worked, whether your thought is that, the guys weren't that he got weren't as good as you thought they would be, whether it was that he had to rely on them in the first place, whether it's that he's not developing them, whether he's not, they're not getting the same amount of product, whatever the argument is, it, it didn't work this season. Like it worked last season. Right. The flip side about this is like for all the reasons that you can say, okay, maybe Lincoln Riley isn't the guy who's going to like win you a national title and all these things. That very well could be the case because, again, 99.9999% of coaches do not win national titles. So that's always going to be the most likely outcome of all of this stuff. Yeah, every hire you make, it's unlikely that every any hire you make, it is unlikely that they will ever win a national title. Even even at a USC, even at a Michigan, even at a Texas. Yes, but the, the flip side is... If if we can sit here and say okay, well he maybe he's he doesn't have the upside that that uh, that that maybe maybe you thought. Even if you sit here and say that, I don't understand how like how a, a, a horrible coach doesn't have six years of great positive success. Yeah, like like I just, I've, I, I've seen you know one of, one of our really good friends is an Oregon fan and he's like, well Mark Hel- Mark Helfrich took. Oregon to a national championship game. And like, yeah. But and in like, year three, Mark, they fell off a cliff. He, he, exactly. And and Lincoln Riley, 
inherited Stoops, uh, what, what Stoops had put together, just mm-hmm. like Helfrich had uh, inherited the, the Chip Kelly stuff. But then Helfrich crashed and burned at Oregon. Lincoln Riley didn't crash and burn at, at, at Oklahoma. He came to SC and immediately turned around a four and eight team to 11 and one. So like, yes, there are, there are big question marks that need to be addressed. And there are things that he needs to get better at. He needs to get better at clock management. He's got to make better in in game decisions. He's got to, he's got to get better about finding ways to adjust in game. a million different things. He's he he's got to he's got to get rid of Alex Grinch. He's got to uh, make a great hire there on on defense. He's got to figure out something to do with special teams, whether that's hiring a full time special teams coordinator or delegating it better than he's doing. Some like there's a million there's a laundry list of things, but the idea that he was always this fraud, I, I like and, and that's not what. John in Oakland is saying, by the way, but like that's that's the part where I'm like, I I I can't buy into that idea. No, it's it's not based. Because it's not the total based fraud in fact. doesn't have six good great years on their resume. If if we're talking four years down the line and Riley has not learned from these mistakes and is make is losing games and basically being Clay Helton, then we can have an actual conversation about that. But to have that conversation right now is not based in I don't fact. Know that, I, I don't know that four years. Okay, is, is fine. The, two years. Let's say let's let's say two years. <laughs> One year. Whatever it is. I don't know. Right now, yeah. Where USC is at is a dip for Lincoln Riley. But the fact is, it's a dip. It is not the norm. So why are you talking about it like it's the norm? Is the question I want to ask. Like. Well, well, this is why there are things that are the norm, which is the defense isn't good enough. Well, yeah. Why is that? Because Lincoln Riley has a soft spot for Alex Grinch and it's, and it's burning him. That's why I want to see Lincoln Riley make the ultimate move and find a DC who doesn't burn him every single year. But when it comes down to it, that's the albatross around his neck. Yeah. And I would rather that be the albatross around his neck than be in a situation with Clay Helton where Every year, USC's offense is not that great, and the head coach is the one who's responsible for it. And so, who are you going like? Who are you going to to like? I would rather have the opposing like the 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 coordinator that mm-hmm. is that is uh um uh that can be gotten rid of. Yeah, be the problem than like the head coach's side of the ball. So I don't know. Yeah, but you you still got to follow through. You still got to actually. Get that right and all those things. Uh, let's go to a vo- uh, voicemail we got from Tim in Riverside. Tim from Riverside again, part three. Yeah, uh, just several weeks ago, Alicia started talking about Riley. She mentioned Riley, and I was like, oh, the converse, the tone is changing. I think it was maybe week three or four of the season probably. Well, he's only 40. He's learning lessons. Now. Actually, yeah, maybe with Alicia. But she, he, Riley's only 40. He's learning lessons now that other coaches learn later in their careers. He will learn – get these bad ones, uh, this, all this, uh, this pain, this experience, and he'll be better at it. Well, this is my point, which is I don't want Riley then at 40 still having to learn. <laughs> Give me Riley at 50 when he's ready to, to, to bring all that experience and actually win championships. Um, I don't think you pay a coach $100 million and, and, and give him the, the head coaching job at USC to be learning on the job. You know, I, I want to make the Alabama hire. 
after Saban already won a championship at LSU. Uh, thanks, thanks, Tim, for the call. It was a long call; had to truncate it a little bit. But uh, Alicia, your thoughts? Uh, I think you want something that is not possible, because what you're talking about is a very, very small pool of coaches that are not available or are putting you in the same position as you're in with Lincoln Riley right now. Like, okay, who has won a national title? Uh, Who is available for you to go hire that has won a national title? Uh, Nick Saban going to Alabama was a real, like a once in a million opportunity because he had won a national title at LSU, left for the NFL, and then happened to be available for Alabama to go pick him up. That doesn't happen. National title winning head coaches do not become available ever. Kirby Smart is not available. Nick Saban is not available. Ed Orgeron, there are a million reasons why you should not hire Ed Orgeron as your head coach. LSU will tell you why. LSU got rid of their national title winning head coach. Same with Gus Malzahn. Like, reason, sorry, not not Gus Malzahn, uh, Gene Chizik, like, got ousted out out of Auburn for reasons. Urban. Well, Ed, Ed Ogeron is Gene Chizik in um, Cajun. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, Jimbo Fisher. Okay, Jimbo Fisher at Florida State gets hired by Texas A&M. How is that going for Texas A&M right now? Because that's the thing. Every hire you make is still a 50-50 proposition, and you are just crossing your fingers and hoping that the guy that you hire can figure it out even when you make the right hire. And I can tell you, I like with 100% certainty, Lincoln Riley was the right hire. That doesn't mean that Lincoln Riley will get USC to the promised land. Um, it's still, he still has to figure that out. He still has to, to prove that he can make the decisions that get him over the hump the way that, that we see coaches like Kirby Smart and Nick Saban uh, get over the hump. Uh, or 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 uh, or Dabo Swinney, but like Dabo's not available, and if he was, Dabo's let the game pass him by and does not has not shown any willingness to embrace the new modern college football. Why would you hire Dabo Swinney right now? Um, Urban Meyer has said now a million times he does not want to come back to coaching. So that's to one side, but also there's a million reasons why you don't hire urban Meyer either. Like who is this mythical head coach that you're thinking of? They don't exist. I'm telling this is why I'm so frustrated with USC fans and, and, and the re- the response to all of this, like the coach that you think leads USC to the promised land or, or that you identify as the one that leads you to, you to the promised land. Like, they don't exist the way that you think that they exist. I Well, so one of the things that we talked two years ago, uh, we did a long like hour and a half, two hour episode where we went through and, and tier listed every single possible cut. Like it was like 50 names. Yes. We didn't have Lincoln Riley on because we didn't think he would remotely be realistic. Right. But that's beside the point. One of the things that we talked about is it's all about mitigating risk, right? Like going out and hiring a coach is like recruiting. There's five-star coaches and there's three-star coaches and there's four-star coaches and stars matter because the higher you're rated, the more likely you you are to pan out. 
you can still not pan pan out like that that's how it works right like uh there's fewer five stars that 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 exists um and their their flame outs are are more spectacular um but they still give you the best chance of of, of getting there right and one of the things is you look at okay so the guys that it, the guys that are and that have won national championships how do you find the the person that fits that profile right well okay kirby smart who fit the kirby smart hire uh profile he was a national championship winning uh coordinator well that would have been brent venables and i think that brent we talked about it brent venables was on our high on our high list. on our list yes he's absolutely that someone who would have fit that that category yes um Dabo Swinney Dabo Swinney is Clay Helton yeah he's literally Clay Helton yeah. he's someone who was promoted within the best case scenario for Clay Helton was yes Dabo. he was someone promoted within when Terry Bowden got fired uh and he panned out uh he was able to 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 figure out the thing for him to for it to work to him uh so that doesn't exactly work and you can't go out and literally get Dabo Swinney because he's not going to leave Clemson if he's going to leave Clemson for anywhere it's Alabama right um Ed Ogeron uh you don't want someone in the profile of Ed Ogeron uh who's just a defensive line coach like a guy the, the who... most the, the most generous comparison to that is like Mario Cristobal uh, and there were, I think people, would people have been happy about Mario Cristobal? When USC w- had the, the opening? No, I don't think so. Because you, because his reputation by then, I think, was already kind of like, mm, I don't know about that. He wasn't, a, he, 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 he was, he was, he was recruiting well and stuff. Like, I, I think that Mario Cristobal could have worked at SC, but would he have been, would people have been happier than they were with Lincoln Riley at the time? No, no. Um, Nick Saban, who would have been the comparison for, for Nick Saban? There wasn't one. Um, and you can't go out and get Nick Saban unless you were going to pay him with Saudi blood money and, and even triple then, his salary. And that was never going to happen. I, I think you could have offered Nick Saban $100 million for one season of coaching and he still would not have left Alabama. Yeah. Um, why? Why would he do that to himself? Let's talk to somebody who does does have the Saudi blood money, Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Jimbo Fisher has a national title on on his on his resume. Do you want Jimbo Fisher? Even two years ago, would you have wanted Jimbo Fisher? No, you would have not wanted Jimbo Fisher. Uh, Urban Meyer. I think Urban Meyer would have been someone who would have absolutely checked all the boxes. And if it wasn't for the off field stuff, whether it be his health or his horrible reputation in choosing character people underneath him and overlooking all of those things. If it wasn't for any of the off field stuff, I would have, I, he absolutely would have been the guy, but also if it wasn't for all those off field stuff, he would have never left Florida. He would have never left Ohio state. He would still be there. And two years ago, and then maybe he we was would... in Jacksonville embarrassing himself with my Jaguars. Yeah. So like, Again, yeah. that wouldn't have necessarily worked either. Yeah. So, I yes, the idea of like the, the the fantasy man that you want doesn't exactly exist. And so who's going to be that next guy? Lincoln Riley fits a lot of what the ideas are of who could be the next guy. Yeah. If he doesn't pan out, he doesn't pan out because most of those hires don't pan out. 
Well, and Lincoln Lincoln Riley being a success at USC is dependent on Lincoln Riley making the changes and making the decisions that lead to improvement. Kaylee in the chat said, I know some fans expect miracles, but some are more practical. I think a lot of us just want progression improvement. Year two hasn't been an improvement from year one, and that's yeah. problematic. Yes, I. that is a completely yeah. reasonable statement, and I 100% agree, and I think... I think if I felt like more people were talking with that kind of just sort of level-headed, like I just wanted to see improvement this year and I don't see it and that worries me, I wouldn't be ranting as much about this fan base. My pr- Where I push back a little bit on that is we went into the season knowing, first and foremost, that this schedule was going to be significantly harder than last schedule, last season. So like the improvement that you're looking for um, certainly hasn't come but the level of regression from last year is... I don't think it's as strong as people think that it is. Yes, because I think that there is... Especially, like, if... I I would love to know... Like, if you transferred yourself back 12 months ago after the Utah game and how the sky was falling after the Utah game Mm -hmm. last year... It's not overly dissimilar. The where it's different is that nobody was calling for Lincoln Riley's head twelve months ago. Yeah, but I think so many of the same talking points are absolutely there. Yes, um, especially after the Arizona game too. Okay. After the Cal game, people weren't happy. Yeah, people were furious. But it was easier to just have it be all all on Grinch because the offense was just you know yes. rolling and. But the offense also wasn't really playing very many challenges. Now, the difference is USC's offense did play very well against a a very good Utah defense. So I'm not saying there hasn't been regression. They validated it against UCLA and Notre Dame by winning those two games. Yes. Now, I'm not going to say you sit here and say that SC is going to validate all this by beating Oregon and Washington. But I think it is like a very similar situation, save for the Notre Dame game. The Notre Dame game is just the complete outlier because that's the one where SC just absolutely gets jiggle bagged and they haven't Lincoln Riley hasn't gotten his ass kicked that badly in a game on a in a, in a score line that wasn't a, a playoff game where he just got beat by the national champion right, right. like that but hasn't happened in the regular season at right. the same time at the same time like when I say that Lincoln Riley needs to show improvement um I w- I like ideally you see drive to drive improvement or quarter to quarter improvement or you know game to game improvement but when we're talking about sort of big capital i improvement you're you, that doesn't happen in the span of like 2 weeks that doesn't happen yeah. in the span of 3 weeks you don't fix those problems in that span but one thing that i was encouraged by in this in this utah game is that usc's offensive line got absolutely wrecked the 2 weeks prior and going up against a, a very good defensive front that has wrecked other offensive lines i thought the offensive line the individual players on the offensive line, the coaches, everybody involved with the offensive line, mm-hmm. clearly to me responded. Whether it was the individuals just playing better or Lincoln Riley having a better sense of, I need to do a little bit more to help my offensive line uh, um, succeed. Like those things were little things that helped. But on a season wide sort of perspective, USC's offensive line has taken a step back. And that has accounted for a lot of the offense maybe taking a slight step back because there's not that level of trust in the offensive line. Um, I think Caleb, 
I think saying that Caleb has regressed is probably um, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't I, say I, that I struggle, Caleb has regressed. I struggle to say that Caleb has regressed. I think Caleb has, has some bad habits that are burning him a little bit more this year than they did last year. And, uh, and sometimes that's how it goes too, is like what you peak as regression is just like the things that he got away with last year. Maybe he's just not getting away with now. I don't know. He's, he has less help around him on the offensive line and at receiver. Uh, I think that hurts. I think there's also less of a commitment in the running game because of the offensive line and those things helped him out. We talked about it last year. Uh, Caleb Williams production last year was not amazing um compared to what Jalen Hurts and uh Baker Mayfield and what Kyler Murray had done in the same offense he like his numbers last year were not like those guys he did the things he did he had the wow you moments and he had the big moments Mm -hmm. last year and he struggled in those things this year because uh, he's he had the Arizona game where he uh, he pulls he pulls the rabbit out of his hat there. Uh, he has the great first three quarters against Colorado. Yeah, but like he needs he, if he would have turned the game around against Utah, I think that would have been something else. But yeah, I don't wouldn't say regress. He just hasn't had the same quite the same season. Uh, one of the things that I you know you talked about that the offensive line got better after the you know, big loss to Notre Dame. One of the things that I think that that needs to be talked about more with Lincoln Riley about his defense and his unwillingness to make changes on defense is that he's never truly gotten beat enough to make those changes. Mm-hmm. He's lost no more than two games every season. And I remember that when we talked about the 2017 team, right, that, I feel like SC fans hated that team. They they went eleven and two uh, and won the won the Pac twelve championship game, but uh, they go to the Cotton Bowl. They they you know they lose that frustrating game to to Ohio State, right? And it's one of those moments where people wanted heads to roll after that game. They wanted uh, T Martin fired. They wanted uh, changes on the offensive line. They wanted all these different changes. And it didn't happen. And we we talked about it at the time that it's one of those situations where the team didn't fail enough to rational for, for Clay Helton to rationalize that the changes were necessary because they went eleven and two mm-hmm. pre bowl. They went eleven and two and won the won the conference. So why should I make changes? I went eleven and two and won the conference, right? Yeah. That's essentially what Lincoln Riley has had every single year that he that he's been a head coach right last year he went 11 and 1 in the regular season and if and Caleb and Williams if does doesn't get hurt against Utah in the in the Pac-12 championship game as he goes to the playoff if if they stop Cam Rising on the two-point conversion at Rice Eccles they would have gone to the playoff even with Caleb Williams getting hurt with the same defense and Alex Grinch so like I can understand why Lincoln Riley didn't make the hire, didn't make the change 
because, well, I didn't fail enough to make it necessary. And he's never failed enough to make it necessary. In terms of wins and losses, yeah. Yes, in terms of wins and losses. Now, yes, I think they should. he should be more ruthless to make the changes on the offensive line. It shouldn't take getting blown out and having a horrific performance against Notre Dame to make those changes. I'm 100% in agreement with, I think, everybody on that, right? Mm-hmm. But sometimes it does for people. And sometimes it does for coaches because they are going to stick with what wins them games. And it's won him games, right? And so if this year ends up being the, the year that ends up as seven and five, where it all, you know, goes to hell and it crashes and burns and SC loses to the teams that, you know, are better than them at the end of the day because this is a loaded Pac-12 schedule that actually does have Oregon and Washington on it versus last year. That might end up being the best case scenario because it's what forces Lincoln Riley to make all the changes that he's never had to make before. As someone who had to hit rock bottom in order to make changes in my life to better my life. Yes. And always remember that these people are humans. These are not robots. These are not like football brain, blah, blah, blah. Like they are human beings just like all of us. And yeah, a lot of the time, most people need to have extreme reason to make change. Human beings are very averse to change. We don't like making change unless we have to, especially when it means, you know, firing somebody. Like nobody likes to fire somebody. Um, it it's if you can get away with not having to do that, the vast majority of people will choose not to do that. Yeah. So I think it's very understandable to me how this happens. Um, is it acceptable for a, you know, a head coach that is aspiring to national titles? Yeah. You got to be able to make those tough, tough decisions. You have to be able to cut a friend. If, if, if your work, like this is why you don't work with your friends. <laughs> you don't work with your family. Because you need to be able to make those tough decisions. But let's not kid ourselves and say that those decisions are easy when there is a human being on the other side of you who you know, who you know their family, who you know, like, who you might believe what they're selling you about why something is is going wrong in in one form or another. So, yeah, yeah, I I just think it's all all more complicated than, than it gets talked about. All right, let's get to a voicemail we got from Fred. Hey, Raina Troy, this is L.A. Fred calling. Uh, after watching Saturday night's game and then the post-game car cast, I was fired up emotionally as I've been about a USC loss in several years. The defense this, the offense that, blah, blah, blah. All of us are saying it. All of us are thinking it. But after a day to regroup and calm down a little bit, even though losing to Utah again stinks, and much less a depleted Utah team at that. Isn't it still better and more enjoyable to watch this this program and this team than under the disaster years with Helton, save the Rose Bowl over Penn State? This is only year two with Lincoln Riley. And I think the quick turnover from last year and the good season, plus a returning Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb, set unrealistic expectations for the program this year. We all know changes can be made. We can all see the changes need to be made. The defense. The linebackers, the linebackers, a lot of the defensive coaching staff, hello, Alex Grinch, the offensive line, 
heck, even the overall recruiting has to improve. But I think Riley's a smart enough guy to see this himself, and I think all these changes will be made this offseason. I, I just think we need to pump the brakes and all the fired Lincoln Riley talk and comments that I've seen posted everywhere on social media. He is one of the best coaches in the country, and he's more than earned the trust to get USC back on the path towards playoffs and national championship contention. Now, having said all that, I am going to reserve the opinion to change my mind if we don't see those changes moving forward. I just I'm going to conclude with have a good week and fight on everybody. Thanks for the call, Fred. Yeah, I I agree that like there's so it's it's all there. If Lincoln Riley has to see it, he has to see that there's no other option than than to getting rid of. Alex Trench this year. There's literally no other option. Mm-hmm. He's got to prove that he can see it, but there's literally like he he can't he can't not see it, right? He 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 can't not see it. Yes, he. There is no way he doesn't see it. There is no way he is not having, uh, having convert like that. That he everyone around Lincoln Riley can see it. Lincoln Riley can see it. Alex Grinch can probably see it too. Like it's going to happen. Um, but I love this call from Fred because it is, it's where I'm at. It's where I'm at. Like get going back to like the, the change thing that people are, are reticent to change. Um, Jen Cohen just got hired as USC's athletic director. The athletic director before her put a, made a, 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 top level hire in terms of being ambitious and going out and hiring a head coach with a proven track record who could come in and stabilize the program. Jen Cohen is not going to make a rush decision to do something like get rid of Lincoln Riley. Um, unless given ample, 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 ample reason to do so. And that, that ample reason has, has absolutely not even become close to being where, where we're at yet. So where I'm at is this. Lincoln Riley is USC's head coach, and he will be for the foreseeable future. So I can either sit here and tell you and say with a whole lot of like unearned definitive confidence that Lincoln Riley will not figure this out. He will never see what's wrong on defense. He will never see what's wrong on the offensive line, uh, even though like like, obviously he's already taken steps to fix that, whatever. Um, He will always have the same flaws that he has and... That you're, you know, this is the way it's going to be and blah. And if I sat here and said that, then my internal self would, would turn around and say, okay, if that's truly what you believe, then you need to pull a John in Oakland, log off and stay away for the next three to four years and just not engage. Because why would I continue to watch USC football if I had that much disbelief in, in, uh, in, in the direction of the program? Like, I watched Clay Helton for years in and years out and podcasted about Clay Helton for years in and years out and fully understood that it just wasn't going to happen. And that was the most miserable podcasting experience of my life to the point where like y'all are lucky that we're still doing this because there were distinct moments during the Clay Helton era where we could have shut up shop and said, we're not doing this anymore because there's no point in doing this anymore. It's just not like, we're just not going to do that. So like, 
if that's the point that you are at, then I highly encourage you to stop watching USC football. Go find an NFL team. Go find another college football team. Go find something else to do with your life. Because if that's the mentality, then I'm sad for you. Instead, I'm going to look at it and say, okay, these are the things that Lincoln Riley is not getting right. These are the ways that he can fix it. And man, I really hope he can do it. And like like Fred, if down the line, it turns out that he was not capable of doing those things, then I reserve the right to change my mind and say, and come to a point where I'm at, where I say, well, you know what? He is incapable of doing this and it's time for me to shut off. But like that time is not now. That time is certainly not now. So it's it's all about perspective and 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 managing the reality that's in front of you i, I don't know. uh we got a super chat from mr andrew 2800 hey. uh mr very positive andrew who says all's not lost lsu won it all in 2007 with two losses <laughs> see that's that's fun i like that mentality um I, hey, I, I mean, again, people are writing off USC as though it's guaranteed that they're going to lose to Washington and Oregon. Meanwhile, every single weekend I watch Washington look like they're trying to have the other team beat them. So I don't know. I'm not predicting wins in those, but like I'm also not going to sit here and say there is no chance that USC wins those games. I don't know. This is why you play the games. This is why we come on every week and preview a game because we don't know what's going to happen and we look forward to see what's going to happen. Yeah. And that's the whole point of it. Yeah, you, you mentioned the Helton there. I think I think part of the, the reason that I find this season so disappointing is that we've talked about this before. Like, it was a grind, an absolute grind for year after year after year to sit here and podcast three times a week and even more because we were doing a bunch of Patreon stuff at the time and talk about this program when every single comment we could get was fire Clay Helton and U.S. he wouldn't do it. And it's like, what could we say every single week? It was miserable. It was a miserable existence in terms of like work-life balance. It absolutely sucked. Like, like this is not our day jobs, right? We, we come here to podcast to enjoy what we're like, this is this is fun that we get to do this. It's fun that we get this opportunity to be able to do this. And signing up to do it when it's just every single thing is like this major indictment of Clay Helton when he should have been fired years before he was uh, and he wasn't and there was should only so many hired. times that you could have said that and yet there was never anything else to talk about it was brutal and it was absolutely mind numbing. And there were so many times where we didn't want to do the podcast anymore because it was miserable to do that. It's miserable to open up the, to edit the rant line and hear every single call every day, every week. You know, like, like I don't want to spend my Sundays doing that. Right. And so then SC hires Lincoln Riley and they go 11 and one in the regular season last year. They nearly go to the playoff, but they don't. And then they come into the, the season this year with all the expectations and Caleb Williams coming off of the Heisman season and all of this. And 
suddenly we're right back in, we're right back in the shit. Like going through dozens and dozens of voicemails about fire this guy and fire that guy. And like, we do this podcast. Like I, I'm not, I, I don't want you to not call in. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I want, I, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't have these opinions, have the, opi- like I, I, you know, I, I don't want to, I, I, it's just that it's, we can have different conversations than, than it's interesting to have different conversations than just we the only be, solution we is fire. Be critical. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, I mean it's it's fine to be like we said, like it's fine to be critical. I I agree with most of the criticism that we're seeing, um, that is at least lobbed in a sort of reasonable sense. But there's a difference between like the criticism and the well, this is this this is bad, and it will always be bad because this person is incapable of getting better. And it's like, well, okay, if that's if that's the way it is, then why are any of us here right now? Yeah, like why do any of us care? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tim in LA. Thank, thank you, Tim in LA for the super chat. and says, thank you for so podcasting. Uh, and we're not trying to, we're we're not not trying trying to to like threaten anybody here. We're just getting real with you guys that it's like, it's, it, it, it becomes a slog and under normal circumstances, like for instance, I'm a big, big brother fan. Um, Part of my part of the reason I was so freaking angry at the the Notre Dame get lost the way it was is because like things took a turn in the Big Brother season that I didn't like and it just I was just feeling like okay so um, when things happen in Big Brother that make me like angry or that make me just whatever like I can just choose to stop watching that show and it doesn't matter like I can just say you know what this show doesn't bring me joy anymore so I'm just not going to watch it right for however long I need to to you know get over that. And with USC, like, for many, many different reasons, but, like, we can't shut it off. We still come in podcast. We still have to sort of live in this. And it would just be a lot easier to do that if USC's fan base as a whole just took a deep breath and was able to separate... but it's it's not just SC's fan base. It's, and you, it's like Oklahoma, Oklahoma people in the comments, and, and it's random yeah. like Notre Dame and and Utah yeah. and UCLA and Oregon and whatever other I don't know what new fan base will pop up and randomly just sort of like start dropping the weirdest things in in, yeah. in our lives. So I don't I don't know. It's just yeah, we, but we've we, now rambled. We, si- we sign up for this. We yeah. know we know what we're signing yeah. up for. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't, this isn't woe is me. At least I'm not trying to make it woe is me, no. but, uh, let's continue. Alex from, uh, over on uh discord says if last year's team played this year's team, who would win? Last year's team would win. I think so too, because of the, because of the offensive line, the offensive line of last year's team would have an easier time with this year's defense than this year's offensive line with someone like Tulu Tupelotu and last year's defense. And I think USC has several better players uh, across the board, like on the defensive front on this year's defense. But I think those are negated by how much better USC's offensive line was last year than, uh, than, than this year. Yeah. I, I think that 
you know, we talked about earlier that, oh, the, the defense needs to be better than last year. And then for the first few games, we're like, yeah, the defense is better than last year. And then I had convinced myself that even last week, yeah, the defense is better than last yeah, year. It's something. still not good and it's yeah. still not good enough, but like it's better than last year as a comparative point. I don't necessarily, I don't think that anymore. I like it's, that that you can't definitively say that it is or it isn't better than last year is, it is the problem, the problem yeah, right? Like yeah, that, yeah, one, that is 100%. the problem. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, the difference is the offensive line. So I would say last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, LA Fred sent us a message on Discord that says, I know you guys don't focus on recruiting, but what do you feel is a bigger hindrance to recruiting specifically on the defensive side of the ball? Alex Grinch and the poor play of the defense and the perceived lack of development or choosing not to get in competition with other programs in terms of offering NIL money to recruits. Uh, honestly, recruiting, I, I have never had less of a sense of what it takes to be good in recruiting than now because there is the transfer versus recruiting NIL sort of calculus and so many recruiting battles we look at and the thing you hear, which is probably just what has always been the case but now you get to say it out loud um which is like well this kid really cares a lot about the nil stuff and usc isn't really investing that much money in nil for recruiting or mm -hmm. whatever whatever it comes out to be uh so i'm sure that calculus plays a role i don't think that usc's defensive staff is in a strong position for recruiting because it is clear to you me and everyone else's mother that Alex Grinch should not be the defensive coordinator for USC next year. So that's a little bit of a problem in terms of yeah. recruiting, uh, recruiting people to the program. But, uh, but I'm, but as with all things, it's usually probably all a bunch of, of all of the little things together and, and changes depending yeah, I, on who you're talking about specifically as the recruit. I, I'm, I'm not the recruiting expert. Go, Go follow Gerard for that stuff over at uscfootball.com. But I'm a believer that SC recruits itself to a big extent. Uh, there's a reason that, oh, yeah, Clay Hilton didn't have the recruiting classes that Sark did, but also he still signed a number one overall recruit in Corey Foreman. He still got five stars from time to time and, and et cetera, right? So... And SC is still going to get those regardless of who the coach is, yeah. right? Paul Hackett got got Carson Palmer after the the whole uh, John Robinson firing, right? Like those things can. I I think it's the NIL stuff. I I more so than than the coaching, and it's the um I I I, th I think I think that's it because that's because if you had they're losing some NIL battles to schools that like don't necessarily have a better argument than SC does. Yeah. So I think, I think it's the NIL um, if anything there. Um, all right. Uh, let's go to some questions we got in the chat and then we'll wrap this up. We're, we're going to rapid fire questions we got in the chat and then we will finish up with a voicemail we got from Dan and Valley village. Uh, okay. So, um, Let's see. Uh, what do we got in here? Um, scrolling through. Brenton says, do you think Juju stays committed? Juju being the quarterback in the 2025 class? 26? I Here's the thing with recruiting. Uh, 
no one is a sure thing until signing day. So like yeah, twenty twenty six, Julian Lewis. Like twenty twenty six is so very far away. I I don't know. Is 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 Lincoln Riley the head coach in twenty twenty six? Is the big is like yeah. if 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 that's the case, then yeah, probably. What Julian conference Lewis. is SC in in twenty twenty six? Is Julian Lewis still USC's first choice at quarterback in twenty twenty six? Has World War Three happened in twenty twenty six? There's yeah that that's 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 so <laughs> I, like that's so far out. It, like <laughs> I got no idea. We were I I've I've been around long enough not to trust any of those fallout those those super far out commitments. I don't trust commitments in the current cycle of the class. Yeah. To one hundred percent, all be sticking. Let alone yeah. three cycles down the line. I, I remember a day where I wrote a stupid article on Ranitroy.com that said you can plan SEC quarterbacks for the next decade, uh, and it's because they had gotten the commitment of Max Brown and they had uh, David Sills, Tathan Martell. Uh, well, they had David Sills commit right, uh, but he had been committed in twenty since twenty ten as like a. Uh, he was like a ninth grader or something, seventh grader, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was gonna, he was 2015 class. And so I'm like, well, uh, so, um, whoever wins the starting job this year, either Kessler or Wittick, then you have, then it'll be Max Brown, then David Sills. So basically, not until like 2022 will you need a new quarterback. And yeah, that, that didn't pan out because it never pans out like that. Like that, that's, that's just not how it yeah. works. Can't, can't count chickens before they have. Yeah. Too many factors. Uh, Bryce Young. Yeah. Matt yeah. Corral. Like there's things, things absolutely change. Um, Mark says, I know you're both not in favor of midseason firings, but is Grinch an exception at this point? He's too much of a liability right now. Um, Personally, uh, I would just pull the plug because there's no... You would pull a plug. I. I. When I, did you get to that point? I. I don't even. I don't know. I've been there. I've been there for a while. I don't know. But I just, you've been anti uh, midseason firing. Forever. I don't like. I. Well, my whole thing with midseason firings is okay. You, you fire Alex Grinch. Okay, who takes over? Someone who was on Alex Grinch's staff, who was helping build the game plans and doing all that. Um, my one thought is like maybe you fire Alex Grinch and someone else is calling the defensive plays and maybe you improve in that way uh maybe maybe i don't know maybe that's a that's a way i do not think that lincoln riley will do a mid-season firing to be honest of alex grinch would i personally for my own personal like for my own personal do it so that we can stop talking about it so that it can just be done and then it's like everyone can just accept that this is a thing that happened and that's and then we can all sit around and say like look Lincoln did the thing that we all said he needed to do isn't that good like for my own personal mental health yes I personally would fire Alex Grinch yesterday but I am not in charge of that decision and um, that's not going to happen so yeah I firing Alex Grinch now the only thing it does is give you a uh, a mental and emotional readjustment. I mean, there's an argument you lose to Washington and you fire Grinch and then maybe you use that as like a... But I think... I don't you, even... But, but at that th- point, what's the point? I, I think know. you only make a midseason firing if there's a bye week at play. There's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, a midseason firing 
You should not imp- expect to improve. Yes. You so should only expect a not having to talk about it anymore. Yeah. Which that's, is what I want. Which, yeah, maybe that's worth it. But you're not going to you're not going to improve anything. In a lot of ways you get worse. And Oklahoma when there was the when Lincoln Riley did fire uh his uh McNeil when he fired McNeil in 2018, they got way worse on defense uh, in the middle of the season. They won all those games, but they gave up 50 points every week. So like um you know, you you just got to you got to commit to the bit at that point even if even if you do um, let's go to a comment we got from Kaylee in the chat that says, and the strength and conditioning coach, we need a better one. I, I have two thoughts here. There, there are two things that I think that are fan. Cl- there's coach speak and there's fan speak. Like coach speak is, Oh, we're just taking one game at a time. Oh yeah. We're, we want to win national championships or what? Uh, as as a program, but you gotta you gotta take one. We're just trying to win today. Like that's coach speak, right? Fan speak to me is blaming so much stuff on the strength and conditioning coach, and things like identity. When those are things that are impossible to ever measure, and so they become pawns. Uh, these. Is is Wiley a good strength coach? I have no idea. I don't think any like no, literally nobody does. Like is is SC soft because of Wiley? Maybe m- maybe not. But like that it's a he, he's a pawn. Like it every single team who is who is not winning a game in the trenches wants to fire their strength coach. And guess what? You do it, and the next year you're. You're still soft. Oh, but the but the all the off season conversation is oh, but we're not soft this year because we brought in uh, Bill Smith and Bill Smith is he is whipping us into shape and oh we've cut weight like we've never cut before. It's all bullshit. Like maybe maybe the, like maybe, but who knows? Like it's impossible. Like injuries. Is, is it the strength coach of why why you have a bunch of hamstring injuries? I don't know. It's impossible to judge those things, but they become pawns. And then, you know, it's the it's the whole bit that if you listen to, to Solid Verbal of, like, uh, you get a new defensive coordinator and all, like, SC will bring in a new offensive defensive coordinator next year, and all the talk in, in the spring is going to be, oh, we've got this new attacking mentality. We've never been such an attacking mentality defense ever before. It's like... That's my... That's, that's my... Fa- that's, that's, that's the... That's my favorite thing about some of the criticisms I'm seeing of Lincoln Riley. There's no accountability. And it's like, dude, all last year... All last year, that was the thing that would. Oh, you know the the big change, the big change in the in the locker room is that there's, there's so much more accountability. And it's like, well, okay, so what? I mean, it was so. I don't. Okay, to me, it's a buzzword. Uh, strength yeah, coaches I, are a buzzword. USC has had a strength coach every year that I've been a fan, and no one has liked that strength coach. With the exception year, of Carlisle, with the Chris exception Carlisle. Of Chris Why Carlisle, did they like him? Because USC was winning football games. Bingo! There we go. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and who got fired by the Seahawks? Chris Carlisle. So I don't know. Uh, strength, yeah. Uh, strength, yeah. strength coaches are, are the ultimate um, 
uh, easy to blame when you're losing, but who hell if I know if and where what in what way do they actually contribute or not contribute yeah. to a winning team? My my new rule is if you're gonna call for somebody on the staff to be fired, you need to tell me by name who you would replace them with, and they have to be a realistic person. And you didn't just go to Alabama's staff page and tell me what Alabama's strength coach is called. Um, if not, I I don't know. Yeah, uh, Paul in the chat says that guys have lost uh, are underweight. Yeah, but also, how do like is what that if a, that's the mandate from the coaches? I was gonna like, say I was I, I was just you know gonna say like, because the section that we skipped today from Jeff Schwartz, um, where we uh, where we had some tweets from Jeff Schwartz complaining about the size of USC's defensive line, like. I looked at that defensive line, um, the the numbers for the weights on USC's defensive line, and I can tell you most of those guys cut weight. I don't know that that was a Benny Wiley decision. Uh, we know that Corey Foreman cut weight because that was a choice yeah. of the coaching staff. Like, we know that sometimes that's not this, like, that's a directive. It can be the wrong choice. Yes. yes. The, don't let, yeah, the, criticize the, the choice, absolutely. Uh, the, the other thing about... Uh, the idea of uh, identity to go back to the reason that I think that identity is like fan speak is because no one talks about identity. If you're like, Oh, S people will say SE has no identity, but then also in the same sentence say that they run 50 screens a game. Yeah. So then isn't that, wouldn't that be their I I identity? And Oh, well Lincoln, this team is just soft. Okay. okay well then isn't, isn't that their I identity? Like, they have no identity. No, what you're saying is they have no winning. Like that's winning equal equals identity. That's like that's what it is. That's 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 what it is. So, uh, all right. Uh, Alicia is messaging me that we've gone too long. So we're we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, I'm just uh, saying we've got an hour and forty five minutes. I know. We said we were somebody gonna, has we're to gonna get make back this their, one short. Somebody has to get back to their day jobs. So. I know. Okay. Uh, yeah. Joe, final question. Uh, uh, Joe in the chat says, "I love." The podcast longtime follower, uh, Lisa and Michael, is that a perfect time to talk about the lasagna theory? Oldie but a goodie. I mean, I still stand by that. Uh, it's one lasagna. If you have two lasagnas, you have a top of the lasagna. You can't just put it's those one. lasagnas together and ignore the fact that there are now two tops of your lasagna. It's it's one lasagna. Yeah. All right, uh, we're gonna wrap it up there. Uh, <laughs> we've gone long. Uh, at least it's got to get back to her day job, night job, whatever. Uh, night job sounds bad. Not, not. I, not. I, I thought we had a voicemail to get to though. That's oh, why I've been trying to like okay, move sorry. us along because I know we have okay, things still right. we we'll, have to we'll get fin to. We'll finish. We'll finish with Dan from <laughs> Valley Village. Hey, Rain of Troy. It's Dan from Valley Village again. I uh, want to throw out an analogy for you. I think this team reminds me of a relationship. You're beginning of your relationship is hot and heavy and it's steamy and you're doing stuff and doing stuff all over the house or all over the apartment or wherever people, young people do stuff now. And I want to say that that was kind of our first year. We were hot and heavy and we were doing stuff. And then you start to become a real relationship and maybe it's not as steamy and maybe you're not doing it so much anymore, whatever it is, of course. Um, and you start to fart around each other and maybe you leave the bathroom door open, 
you know, and you fall into a regular relationship. And I think that's where we are now. I think this team is our regular relationship. I think people are starting to figure us out. And I think that we cannot rely on Caleb to keep it hot and heavy all the time. I think we are becoming, um, dare I say, a, a mediocre team. Um, I, I don't know. Look, uh, life is lived in uh, relationships that are not necessarily hot and heavy all the time, and you have ups and downs and whatnot. Uh, but what I'm sensing here is that we're having a little bit of a down part of our relationship with the team. This has probably been one of the clunkiest analogies that you've probably ever heard, um, <laughs> but for that uh, car engine one last week, which was uh, chef's kiss, beautiful. Anyway, I'm still sitting in my garage angry, and I needed to vomit this out because it's my therapy. Anyway, fight on. I love that. I love Thanks, that analogy. Dan. I love that analogy, too. Um aside from it just being entertaining but you know michael and i we're not newlyweds anymore i think technically because like we have been married for a year and a half now but like is that when it stop? when does it stop who knows i always thought newlyweds meant like you were in the first year of your marriage i could be wrong we've had our first wedding anniversary whatever but the reason I love this analogy is because it, it very much fits with sort of what I've been calling for this whole time, which is, yeah, I think there was the honeymoon period. I think there was the excitement and all of the new stuff of like, oh, well, we're in together. We're all married, blah, blah, blah. And then you hit the point where there are things that each of you are doing that are not good for the relationship. And you get things that, that are either irking you or that the other person is doing or that you're doing and all this kind of stuff. And in a healthy relationship, which I like to think that you and I have, Michael. Um, I don't know. I interrupt you too much according <laughs> this, to the YouTube comments. <laughs> Allegedly. Because, you know, I don't interrupt you like 50 times a show, but whatever. Whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, for the record, I have literally never had a thought in my head that like, Michael's interrupting me too much because I'm... Um, but no, my, my whole point is like in a healthy relationship, what do we do when there are things like when there are things that are bugging us about each other or about, you know, whether it's leaving dishes around the house or, you know, Never uh, do that. the 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 um, distribution of like of, of, of labor or jobs or whatever, like how many times am I taking the dog out versus how many times that you're taking the dog out, blah, blah, blah. blah. What, do, what do people in a healthy relationship do? Instead of like what they don't do is they don't scream and yell and say, screw you, I'm out or, you know, scream and yell and just sort of build up resentment and, and, and believe the worst in their partner and all this kind of stuff. No, what you do is you sit down and you have a, you have a conversation, you express, these are the things that frustrate me. Uh, these are the things that, uh, that I need, I need more from you. Or you come to me and say like, these are the things that I need more from you. Paul K in the chat says communicate and listen. Yeah, 100% like you communicate and you listen. Paul K follows up, which uh, which Riley does not do. Which Riley does not do is jumping the gun because we have not seen what Riley does after a season like this. We have not seen what Riley, how Riley responds to things going wrong for him in a season. And realistically, I know that we all want fixes to come immediately in season, and there are things that can be fixed in season. But 
the 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 frustrating thing about following like sports teams is especially teams that don't have like a trade deadline that they can make changes at and and do all that kind of stuff in college football like what you what you get is what you get and if you screw up your off season your season's going to be rough and there's very little that you can sort of uh do to really change a big swerve in in the wrong direction um so what we're looking for now is Lincoln to listen and recognize what has gone wrong and to fix it. And it's jumping the gun right now to sit back and say like that he's not going to do that. Like that's not a healthy relationship with your head coach, guys. Yeah, so we will we will see. We'll see if uh, who takes out the trash at the end of the season. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and- I need I need Lincoln Riley to take out the trash. Yeah. Uh- I need you to take out the trash too. The trash is coming. It's not that far for you to do it. It's just right across. <laughs> All right. See you next time. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.